Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. I, Paul, therefore the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given a grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when Christ ascended to high, on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to the people. God granted that some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness, and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as part of the working properly promotes the body growth and building itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Celebrate Christian unity. Unity is so important. And it is so not easy. Last May, the U.S. Surgeon General issued an advisory on the public health crisis of loneliness and isolation, calling it an epidemic. And this actually started before COVID. Uh, Before COVID, half of adults reported measurable levels of loneliness. And then COVID arrived and made it worse. And Americans are increasingly lonely and isolated. And this is not news to us because we're caught up in the same forces. We're caught up in the same forces where we spend more time scrolling than socializing, where we spend more time alone than with others, where we have more energy for entertainment than for friends where we care more often about likes on social media than lunch dates on the calendar. And this lack of connection, this lack of social connection affects every aspect of life. We know that it affects mental health. And one in five adults today um, is living with uh, mental illness. One in three young adults is living with mental illness. And it affects our physical health. It increases our risk of heart disease and stroke and dementia. And it is comparable, this is from the U.S. Surgeon General, it is comparable to the effects of smoking daily. That's what isolation does to us. Now, as people of faith, we get how devastating social isolation is, how how separate it is, how different it is from the way we've been created. Because we know that we were created for each other, connection for each other, and connection with God. 
in our very uh, stories of God creating the universe, we hear about how humans are created of the same stuff, created for each other and in God's image. The first chapter of Genesis says, God is speaking, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. This is God speaking about God's self. You're familiar, of course, most of scripture, God is referred to with a singular pronoun. But here, God is referring to God's self as us. We understand God as intrinsically relational. We are Trinitarian believers. We believe that we have one God with three persons, three manifestations, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we try to wrap our mind around what that means. But I think anybody who says they figured it out, one thing you know for sure, they haven't. Because I think we spend our whole lives, how does God exist as one God and three persons? But what we do know is that there is this relationship within the very stuff of God. This Father and Son and Holy Spirit in this constant, connected relationship. And we have been created in God's image, called to be together. As Christians, the very beginnings of Christian community started this way. God or Jesus called disciples together, follow together in a community. And in fact, our word church in scripture, the Greek is ecclesia. And the first meaning of ecclesia was community. We are a people of community. Our faith draws us together as community. Our primary way of worshiping God is to gather together on Sunday morning. Our daily spiritual practices we can do alone, but our primary way is gathering together on Sunday morning, making disciples, having an experience of God together. And our faith affects us. Gallup polls um, have found that regular, they found a connection between regular church attendance and lower rates of depression. Study after study has found that religious people tend to be less depressed and less anxious than non-believers because being together matters. So this public health crisis we're in, this epidemic we're in of loneliness and isolation, God has given the cure to the church, to the religious practice of gathering on Sunday, of prayer, of the connection we have worshiping together, of having coffee and fellowship after church together, of gathering in small groups. And yet we are part of these same pressures that are pushing us to loneliness and isolation. As American life becomes busier and more anxiety-filled, years ago, if a person said that they regularly attended church, that meant they went to church three or four times a month. Today, when people say they regularly go to church, they mean one or two times a month. So we are caught in these same forces, pushing Americans to isolation and loneliness. And I think that's especially apparent in social media. The way we relate to each other in, on social media is just different 
than how we relate to each other in person. And that was put in stark contrast for me last summer at a family reunion. I saw people at this family reunion I hadn't seen in years, but I'd seen their posts on social media. And my aunt and uncle, they post these things, you know, that drive me nuts, that often make me angry, find insulting. I mean, we are very different ideologically, and it makes me upset. And then I go to the family reunion, and I see them face to face. And I talk with them, and I remember my love for them. At one point, my cousin called me over, and she kind of whispered at me, Mom's developing dementia, so I just want you to know if she's asking the same questions over and over, what's going on. And then I felt that tenderness for my aunt come up. I watched my uncle lovingly watch over her in a different way than I had seen years ago, now that she is not remembering very well. I remembered my love for my aunt and uncle. On social media, when I leave social media with them, I would feel angry and distant. But I left that family reunion feeling connected and feeling love. Being together matters. We are all caught in these same forces in American life to loneliness and isolation. And resisting connection is not new and it is not American because they were dealing with it way back in Paul's times. Would you read these words together with me that, that Matt shared with us in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul was calling the church to patience and persistence, patience with each other and persistence in being together. Paul was a missionary extraordinaire in the early church, in the ancient world. He started out as a Jewish religious scholar. We call them Pharisees. And he was a Roman citizen. Estimate, scholars estimate that about half of the Jewish people at the time became followers of Christ, we would call Christian, and about half didn't. Paul was from the didn't. He was from the group that was persecuting Christians. And then he had a mystical conversion experience. He became Christian. He became an apostle. And he did it with fervor. He went all over the Mediterranean world, witnessing to what had happened to him, testifying that, that Jesus was the Son of God. He preached in the town squares. He gathered people together in Christian community, what we would call planting churches. And he got himself in trouble a lot. At this time in the Roman, Emperor, in the Roman Empire, there was, they call it the emergence of the Roman cult, this idea that Caesar was God. And they would say, Caesar is Lord and Savior. And Paul would go 
to the town square and say, Jesus is Lord and Savior. And it got him in trouble. Paul was beaten and he was flogged and he escaped stoning and he was imprisoned more than once and he wrote letters to churches. Of the 27 books in the New Testament, 13 are letters of Paul. Well, 13 are letters attributed to Paul. Scholars say that seven for sure were written by Paul. Three, they're sure, were not written by Paul, but they would, people would write letters and attribute them to Paul as a form of respect and admiration. And then there's three letters where there's debate. Scholars aren't sure. Maybe Paul wrote it, maybe somebody else wrote it and attributed it to Paul. The letter to the Ephesians is one of these, one of these unsure of. Because the letters that they're sure about, Paul is writing to a specific church with problems that he knew about, with people that he knew. This letter is different. This letter is written generally. So they think maybe Paul wrote this as a letter that was intended to be passed around to be circulated so that one church would read it and then send it to another and send it to another, that this was a message for the whole church. A message for the whole church. A message for us. And in Paul's time, people resisted unity. The reasons were different than today. At Paul's time, people had great loyalty to their family. And not nuclear family, but extended family. Family that we would call a clan or even a nation. That was their loyalty. And they were loyal to their people and they didn't mix with others. And in fact, they would have different religions. Each nation had its own religion and you didn't mix with people from other religions or from other nations. And in fact, you were hostile to them. In the Middle East, you can still see carries some of that. So at that time, Christianity was radically different. It was not a religion for just a nation. It was a faith for all the nations across family lines. The unity of the Christian church was a unity with people outside of your family, outside of your nation. And people resisted that. It was so unique that early on this universality of Christianity was named. And it was named with the word Catholic. Catholic means universal. And in 10 AD, only 80 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, the Christian church was named this way. St. Ignatius of Antioch used the term Catholic church, naming this universal community of Christ followers that we are. So back then, people were going against the grain, being church. It meant being unified with people who were different from you, outside of your family, outside of your nation. So they had to be patient with each other. They had to be patient with different languages, different ways of doing things, different social norms, different ideas. And they had to be persistent in being together. 
had to value Christian community over comfort. And they had to be intentional to come together. Today, we are going, we also are going against the grain being church together. We are so pulled into isolation and individualism that affects us. Our phones do it. They pull us away from the people right in front of us. Our architecture does it. Many houses, you have a hard time finding the front door, but it's easy to find the garage. Our social norms do it. The way we relate to each other. The way we just, you know, make friends. Today, in order to maintain a friendship or family relationship, you have to be intentional. You have to actually make time. You can't just go with the flow. You have to make space in your life. And sometimes we're even told we shouldn't. People refer to unfriending others as self-care. Estrangement as self-care. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. They say that, you know, the people who know these things say abuse has been on a decline for 20 years. But estrangement is going up, especially young adults cutting off ties with their parents. Today, one in four adults has estrangement in their family. So the details for us are different. But the forces pushing us to loneliness and isolation are just as strong. And the solution is the same. Patience with each other, persistence in being together. We have to be patient with each other. We have to be patient when people do things differently, when they put things in places that was not where we would put them, when the social norms are different, when people say things that are frustrating, when people don't show up and it hurts our feelings. And we have to be persistent. We have to be persistent in being together, in valuing community over comfort, in persisting in connection, in making time to be together, in making those lunch dates on the calendar. And we have to show up. We have to be intentional about it. And patience and persistence is not just good for the church. Turns out it's good for fishing. Fishing, the art of patience and persistence. Also, hunters, is that true for hunting as well? The art of patience and persistence. And it is the art of being Christian together, patience with each other, persistence and being together. Because we can be pretty numb to our deep need for connection. And our need remains at an all-time high. And so we celebrate that this Christian life calls us together in unity. We can, we can consider Sunday worship as feeding our need for social connection, as feeding our need for social connection and meeting the needs of others. And perhaps some weeks you're thinking, I'm good, I don't need time with, with my church community. I've had time with family. I've had multiple lunch dates on the calendar with friends. I've prayed and I don't need church. But there are people here who need you. They need to feel connected to you. 
They need to be inspired by you. They need to see the way that you love God and join you in that love together. And let that common love bind us all together. We are awash in the idea nowadays that friendships have to be useful. Have to be useful professionally or useful in our private life somehow. And that belonging is about like-mindedness. Well, church is different. Our friendships, our connections are different. It's not about being useful. It's about something so much more important. Arthur Brooks describes these friendships, these connections we have as beautifully, cosmically useless. And our unity, our belonging together, it doesn't come from from common thinking, like-mindedness. It comes from common love, of loving God, of loving Jesus, of loving this life of discipleship, and that bonds us together. We are in the midst of a public health crisis of loneliness and isolation. Paul knew the solution. The church has the solution. God gives us the solution. And today, we celebrate. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you call us together. It satiates this deep need that we have been created with, a need for each other, a need to be connected, a need for belonging. Lord, you give us that. You give us that in your presence. You give us that in the presence of each other. And you give us that in this life of faith, of discipleship that we do together. Lord, give us awareness of how deeply we need each other so that we can be healthy, so that we can model health for our neighbors, that health of social connection, pulling us away from loneliness and away from isolation. Lord, in times when we are uncomfortable, give us persistence. In times when we are frustrated, give us patience. And Lord, in all things, give us love. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, Go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.